I'm Denise. I'm the Scottish one. And she's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise, the English one. And she's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Editing Podcast. So this week we're chatting about dashes again, but this time it's the M dash. That's M for Mike. Yeah, and let's just reiterate that sometimes dashes are referred to as rules. So N rules and M rules. That's what you'll see if you're using a style guide like Oxford's New Hearts rules, uh, whereas Chicago Manual of Style calls them dashes. Neither is right or wrong, but we're going to call them dashes to avoid confusion with the word rules used in relation to directions or procedures. Yeah, yeah. So let's start with what does the M dash look like? Well, it's three times the length of a hyphen, and just like its sister, the N dash, that's N for November, it has several uses. Some are applicable whether you're writing and editing in US or UK English, and some aren't. But we'll tell you when this kind of stylistic difference occurs. Yeah, so the first use of M dashes is as parentheses. Now, this is more prevalent in US style, though it's also Oxford's choice too in the UK. And the thing to mention here is that when you're um, using them as parentheses, there's no space either side. The dash is close up to the words before and after. What the M dash does is set off an augmenting or explanatory word or phrase in a sentence that could stand on its own without the insertion. So an example could be Denise that non-fiction editor from Glasgow hosts a podcast with a fiction editor. Yeah, and at the two points where you heard Louise pause, that's where those closed up M dashes go. The information about me is set off, and if the phrase and the dashes were removed, the sentence would still make sense. And we've said it before, but remember, those are style conventions, not the law. So if you're preparing a book file or paper for a publisher or a journal, check what their preferred style is in terms of N dashes or M dashes first, rather, um, rather than making assumptions. Yeah, yeah. So the next place you'll see M dashes is in some fiction. I hadn't really noticed this, but since Miss Harmby makes it her business to know about such things, I'll <laughs> let her explain. <laughs> Okie dokie. So some authors choose to use a closed up M dash at the beginning of dialogue to indicate a new speaker. And in this case, the speech marks are removed. And does that apply globally? Yeah, absolutely. The only thing to watch out for is that the dialogue needs to be outstanding because there are no speech tags, no action beats, nothing. Nothing that will ground the dialogue in the environment it's taking place in. All the voice, mood and intention have to be in those spoken words. Right, right. So what if there are more than two people in the conversation? Could it still work? Um, I would bin the idea. Right. Um, just can it. it mm -hmm. It'll become a confused mess that no reader will thank you for. <laughs> if you've read... Um, if, if listeners have read any of the Sylvain Novelle um, Themis books, um, it's a kind of near future sci-fi series or speculative. Mm -hmm. You'll see this strategy used for specific chapters that feature a particular quite mysterious character. And there are no speech tags, no narrative that indicates who's in the room. <clears throat> and so um, it all fits really well because these conversations are clandestine and uh, in a secret facility mm -hmm. and none of and one of the speakers is anonymous we don't even know their gender until later on in the second book in the series oh, right. um, and what Novell does is use bold for one of the speakers so it's easy for the reader to see who's talking but every time a new voice takes over the dialogue it's an m dash that that introduces it um mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and just to make it clear, there are no there are no speech um, there are no quotation marks. Right. So it Gosh. literally is just the the M dash and then the speech and then uh -huh. next line M dash and then the speech. 
I'd imagine once you get your eye into that and get into the rhythm of it, it'd be okay if it's done properly. Yeah, it would his be is, fine. Yeah, his is, his is, it works. It works better, I think, because mm-hmm. it's 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 it is just bang, 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 and it's all focused on that dialogue. But his, I would say, on the whole, um, his he keeps his dialogue really tight. He, and in these particular scenes, he's not. Um, the whole point is that it's kind of like almost an interrogation. Right. It's, it's yeah. not. It's not kind of. Um, chit chat it's funny because before you even said that that's the kind of image that i had in my head when you were when you sort of described the the setting with the mysterious character etc yeah i quite fancy the sound of those books yeah yeah, i think you'd like them um and but the the other it's not done like that all the way through so in the Mm -hmm. kind of chapters that aren't in this particular um setting um, he, he uses the standard rules. Right, right. Oh, it's definitely one to be looking out for, I think. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> okay, so the next use of M dashes is to indicate omission. Now, this might be more of a fiction thing, but I have seen it in creative nonfiction too. And what I'm going to describe now is typical for US style, though again, it is a style choice. So if the author wants to omit a name for reasons of privacy, for example, then a closed up M dash comes after the initial letter. So I might refer to Ms. H and then place an M dash straight after instead of writing Harmby. And you can do the same for profanity. So instead of using the F word, you could just write the F and follow that with a closed up M rule. The UK style alternative that we talked about in the other dash episode uses a spaced N for November dash. Some authors prefer asterisks, um, which doesn't surprise me because most people can locate these on a keyboard <laughs> far more easily. <laughs> and those can be used globally too. And again, we can we can include my blog post about dashes in the show notes. It has a lot more examples in it. But why don't we tell people where they can find M and N dashes if they haven't set up keyboard shortcuts? Yeah, good idea. So in Word, click the Insert tab and choose Symbols. That opens up a window. Uh, if you then choose More Symbols to open up a full palette, and then if you click on the special characters tab you'll find both the n dash and the m dash you can also click on the shortcut key in that window to create your own keyboard shortcut that's what most pro editors do because it saves so much time so here's another occasion where you'll be able to use the m dash and we're back to fiction it's in faltering speech more specifically when there are fumbled phrases in dialogue in u.s style writing and again the m dashes are closed up So an example would be as follows, and listen for the pauses when I speak, because that's where the M dashes will come. I don't, I can't, but, oh, what a nightmare. So each of those places where I pause could take an M dash and indicate the speaker's stumble. And the UK style alternative would be for a spaced N for November dash. And finally, the M dash is great for end of line interruptions. Again, you're most likely to see these in dialogue. And in this case, the usage applies to whatever English you're writing in. So I think the best way to show this is to show off our acting skills. Denise, (laughs) what do you think? Well, this is going to be a catastrophe. (laughs) What the heck? Let's give it a go. Right, you start and we'll interrupt each other, which we're quite good at doing anyway. And I'm (laughs) I'm looking at the script now and I see you've set me up good and proper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, you really shouldn't be so oversensitive. Now, every every time you, the listener, hear um, the one of our voices um, interrupted, that's where the M dash would go, close up between the final word and the closing quotation mark. Okay. Ready? Yes. (laughs) Okay. 
Denise. I messed it up already. You stop. Okay. Denise slunk over to the bar. I need two bottles of your finest. No, you've had three bottles of already, Denise. I strongly recommend. Mind your own business, you tea drinker. How very dare you, Miss Cal. And that's quite enough on <laughs> M Tashes. <laughs> and just for the record, Louise likes a little gin just as much as I do. And that's why when we're divvying up tasks for the editing podcast, it's not a good idea always to leave me in charge of the script. <laughs> True, but don't forget that I'm in charge of the bloopers. Uh... You've been warned, yeah. Thank goodness it's time now for Editing Bites, I think. The regular bit of the show where we each recommend a favourite resource that we think you'll find useful. So mine is a blog article by literary agent Jane Friedman. It's called Start Here, How to Self-Publish Your Book. And it takes you through the whole process step by step. It's a great introductory guide on how to self-publish, whether it's print or ebook, and how to choose the right services or approach based on your needs and budget. Great. And mine is The Magic of Fiction by Beth Hill, which is just a fabulous all-round but comprehensive and accessible text for fiction editors and writers who want to hone novel craft at story and sentence level. Excellent. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Editing Podcast. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. And as always, we've put all the links we've mentioned in the show notes so you can grab everything there. Bye-bye. Bye.